Hi, I'm Tom Marks with the Marks Law Firm in Orlando, Florida, and welcome to the Healthy Family Law Attorney. Today, we're gonna to talk about the administrative order in the Ninth Judicial Circuit. So what is this? The administrative order that has to be filed with every dissolution of marriage case in Orange and Osceola counties requires a significant following by family law clients so let's let's dive in. Okay, first, it's an order that was entered by the chief judge, Donald Myers, in December of 2019, which is still in effect. And because it's an order, if the parties do not comply with it, they are subject to sanctions by the court. First of all, the order says that it is in place to provide guidance, to reduce negative impact on children, to provide for stability for families, to reduce the number of emergency hearings in family law cases. And how does it do that? Bottom line is the standing administrative order requires the parties to maintain the status quo and do what they have historically done during the marriage. The first section starts with shared parental responsibility. What that means is that the court is saying that until the court enters an order otherwise, the parents are supposed to treat time sharing or contact as if it was part of shared parental responsibility. And the definition of that is the parents have an equal say in all of the major decisions affecting the welfare of the minor children. So until the court orders differently, make decisions jointly as the parents and do it in the best interest of the minor children. And the administrative order also says that even if you want the majority time sharing, you have to encourage a loving relationship between the children and the other parent, or that's gonna be used against you later in the proceedings. Okay, so just so everyone knows, the administrative order is served with the petition for dissolution of marriage in every family law case in Orange and Osceola counties. And the petitioner is bound by the administrative order from the moment the petition is filed with the court and the respondent, the one receiving the petition, is bound by it as soon as they are served with the petition. So if you wanna do anything outside of the administrative order, you better do it before you file your petition for dissolution of marriage. The next section of the administrative order requires that both parents attend a parenting class that's ordered by the court in every case within 45 days of the case being served on the respondent. So the parenting class can be either in person or online. Obviously, since COVID, virtually all, all cases involve virtual parenting classes. When COVID is over and relaxed and things are back uh, hopefully to normal, I always say that I think it's really important that you attend the parenting class in person, if at all possible. I know most people do attend it virtually, 
but it's a really important class. And I think you can get a lot more out of it if you do it in person. But if you're gonna do it virtually, stay focused on it. Um, I know some people that might do laundry or I don't know, mow the lawn or something while the course is going on, but it's important to watch and it's required by the court. The next section involves the children's school location, their residence and foreign travel. You can't change the children's place of residence outside of their school district until there's further order of the court. This administrative order says, maintain the status quo, don't change the residence. You cannot travel out of the country with the minor children unless you have written consent of the other parent or you have a court order. Okay, and the kids have to stay in school. You can't pull them out of school. You can't pull them out of the daycare. The next section is involving child support. So child support is technically due from the date of separation of the parties. Oftentimes the date of separation may be the date of filing. So it would be that date, but many times the parties separate first and then file later. So as soon as you separate, if you are the primary wage earner or the higher wage earner, you should start to pay temporary child support. Otherwise, you're going to have a child support arrearage that builds, number one, and then you may have a big chunk of change that's due all at one time. Number two, you will look bad to the judge. The judge will look at you and say, why haven't you been paying any child support all this time? It's been six months since the case was filed or six months since you separated. You haven't provided any support. You must not care about your children. And so that may bias the judge against you. I would say even if you've overpaid the child support, when you get to the hearing on determining the amount of child support, the court will give you a credit on any amount you paid over and above the actual child support guideline amount that's been approved by the court. Okay, so the next section is about self-represented parties, also known as pro bono representation. You're representing yourself and the court in the administrative order urges you to retain legal counsel because of the complications and the technical matters that deal with family law cases. But if you feel competent to represent yourself or there's just no way you can afford an attorney, make sure that you clearly look at the administrative order because first the judge is gonna say in his order that no one at the courthouse is gonna give you any legal advice. No judge, no judicial assistant, no clerk. Second, that you're gonna be required to know the rules, uh, the procedures, the law, the uh, rules of evidence, just like the attorneys are. So you're gonna be held to a higher standard. I can tell you that that's true and some judges do things a little bit differently. Um, some judges are very strict on that. And then some judges will give you a little bit of leeway, but essentially they're legally required to hold you to the same standard that the lawyer is. Okay, you're also put on notice that you're not allowed to have any private communications with the judge or the court personnel. Um, any conversation with the judge uh, without the other side present is known as an ex parte communication. Lawyers are not allowed to do it. So pro se 
or self-represented litigants are not allowed to do it either. You're also required to know how to file things with the court, with the clerk of court. You're also supposed to copy all opposing counsel or parties on the case. You also need to know how to schedule a hearing with the judicial assistant and using the courthouse Jack's communication network. Okay, next, you have to make sure, like I said at the very beginning, you maintain the status quo. So what does that mean? You have to continue to pay all the things that you have historically paid, whether it's food, shelter, utilities, um, insurances, whatever it is, you can't just stop paying those. You can't drop somebody from the auto insurance or the life insurance or homeowners insurance, any of that, you will be subject to sanctions by the judge if you do that. Okay, next, there is something known as a financial affidavit and mandatory disclosure. You must provide your fully completed financial affidavit and the mandatory disclosure within 45 days of service of the pleadings in the case. I've done prior videos on the financial affidavit as well as mandatory disclosure. They're both, well, the financial affidavit I'll say is, and I have said, is the most important financial document in the case. Mandatory disclosure is just what it sounds like, mandatory, unless it is clearly waived by the parties or somehow waived by the court typically is not though, so you must produce those documents. There are a bunch of financial documents. Look at my prior video and I get into that in detail. I will tell you a story about a case I had where I knew the opposing counsel and his client didn't want to provide a financial affidavit. We were at the courthouse. The court had ordered them to go ahead and uh, produce the financial affidavit, which unless there's going to be a simplified dissolution with no alimony, no child support, no form of support whatsoever, then you're going to have to file it. So the court ordered it. The attorney handed it to me right before we walked into mediation and it was blank. It was signed and notarized um, by his client, but it had no information. So I immediately filed a motion for contempt and to compel. And we went straight up and saw the judge and the judge was irate. So held uh, the parties in or the other party in contempt. And so made sure that we got that document. Of course, attorney's fees were awarded and you want to avoid that and not try to play games with the financial affidavit. Okay, we're almost done. Disposition of assets and accounting. So you can't destroy or hide or conceal assets in the case, whether it's marital assets or non-marital assets, doesn't matter. And if you've spent monies or, or done something with any assets in the case during the case prior to uh, an order entered by the court, then you're gonna have to give an accounting of exactly what you did with that. And so if you can't, then the court is going to sanction you for that. All right, finally is business records. And business records is any type of financial record in the case, whether it's bank statements or whatever, you cannot destroy those or conceal those. You must produce those. 
as part of mandatory disclosure, again, maintaining the status quo. This also involves insurance. As was mentioned earlier, they talk about you can't cancel insurance. You can't take on additional debt. Um, what one exception other than medical necessaries or um, shelter, utilities, food, that kind of stuff. Attorney's fees is actually considered a necessity. The court will later on apportion the attorney's fees if one party had to pay attorney's fees and they really couldn't afford it and they had to borrow money or they had to take it from the joint bank account. The court can later make the higher wage earner pay those attorney's fees, but they are allowed to be paid as necessities in the case. The final part of the administrative order involves sanctions. If either party fails to comply with any portion of the standing administrative order, they fail to produce documents in time per the requirements of the mandatory disclosure or to interrogatories or fails to appear at a deposition, anything like that, the court's going to enter sanctions. One of the primary sanctions, of course, is attorney's fees will be awarded. However, I have been involved in cases where attorney's fees are awarded and then there's additional failure to comply with the administrative order and the court can actually incarcerate, put the person in jail. And that um, I have heard judges say there's nothing better to correct bad behavior than to let someone spend the night at the Orange County Stockade. So nobody wants that to happen. So abide by the administrative order. A couple other real quick things, mediation. The court per the administrative order is gonna require you go to mediation before you attend a temporary relief hearing. And at that hearing is where you're gonna be asking for temporary alimony, temporary child support, temporary attorney's fees, temporary exclusive use and possession of the marital home, things like that. So mediation has to happen first. The final thing regarding communications per the administrative order is that you have to have a meet and confer with the other side before you schedule a hearing. The court wants the attorneys or the attorney and the pro se litigant to talk about the motion before the hearing is scheduled. Why? Because if the parties through their counsel or pro se talk about the motion, they may be able to resolve it. And judges always want matters to be resolved amicably if possible by the parties. That's why they prefer mediation so much. And that's why they require a meet and confer. Okay, so those are the essential elements of the standing administrative order in Orange and Osceola counties. Other counties do also have administrative orders. The 18th Judicial Circuit has one for Seminole and Brevard County. Other Central Florida counties have standing administrative orders. Be sure to be aware of what that administrative order says when you retain your attorney, he or she should tell you about the administrative order and what you need to do to comply with it. Okay, I, I hope that uh, provides uh, some assistance today. Um, as I always like to say, I believe your family matters. 
So I wanna provide hope and help to your family to successfully navigate the family law process in a healthy way. So uh, I hope you subscribe to the channel. I hit that like button or that bell icon and I'll see you next time.